Hey, hey, y'all, this is Aloe Black, and you are listening to the Sugar Hill Gang Podcast. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? Hey, world, this is the Sugar Hill Gang Podcast. And I am your host, the Master G, the M-A-S, the T-E-R, the G with a double E. And I'm joined by my co-hosts and my brothers in the struggle. What's up, T Dynasty? Say what's up, T. What's happening, people? And my man, my man, Pots and Pants, Hen Diggity, Hen Dog, the Hen to the Diggity Dog Dog. Say what's up, man. What's up, baby? You know it. Wakanda, baby. Wakanda forever. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we are joined today. Yes. We are yes. joined. We are in the presence of a young man who is doing some astoundingly, profoundingly things. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Aloe Black. What's up, hey, Aloe? Hey, what's going on? Yeah. Thank oh, you so much man. for having me. Yeah. No, 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 no. Out, Hey, man, this is an honor. I've been, I, hey, I, I was telling everybody yesterday in the gym, I'm, I'm interviewing Aloe Black. I'm interviewing Aloe Black. And it was like, really? Wow, that's pretty deep. I'm like, yeah, I know. Be stepping up my game. <laughs> so, so thanks, man, for agreeing to do this, man. No Definitely, doubt. uh, Definitely very cool. Um, just to jump into it and let's go crazy. Uh, we have a little of, of history. We, uh, you know, as oh, yeah. as uh, as people. So I'm gonna start 2007. I don't even know if you knew this, but 2005, I came back into music, performing, touring actively, and by 2007 was our first European tour, and we ended up in Berlin. And we were doing this big concert. It was filmed and the whole nine yards was on the water. And uh, Nike was the sponsor. And mm-hmm. I, 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 they sent me this picture of Han on stage. And behind, right behind Han, you were on the stage. Do you remember that? Oh, snap. You know what? Yeah. I want to say this is called Live Demo in Berlin. In yes. Germany. By the way. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. That's yes. what it yes. was. Yes. Yep. Yep. By the water, yep. by the wall. That's what That's it was. Right. Yes. 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 Man, I loved I loved that event. And that was a, a awesome moment hey. for me to, to meet you guys. Yeah, man. That was a great wow. concert. Now it yeah. was it was it was back and forth. It was like a little pleasure, but a little bit of pain because at the time, my brother, our brother, Wonder Mike, was really yeah. ill. He was yeah. extremely ill. We had all the way getting to that day. He was just ill. And he at that day was the day that we literally had to send him to the hospital. Had we not sent him to the hospital that day, it's possible he might not even be here today. Wow. So yeah, man. It, and that all happened during rehearsal. Yeah. yeah. So like right yeah. at that point, we made yeah. we made a decision for him to go to the hospital. And we still, of course, we did the show. We did the show yeah. that night. Yeah. And and so you know that whole time it was really really it was very strange for us because right. well, again like I said I hadn't been on stage and I hadn't been actively performing for almost twenty something years you know that's the first thing I hadn't been to Europe in over twenty something years that's the second thing and then I hadn't been on stage without Mike or Hank ever in my life oh, so wow. that was like the first time that I was on stage with not Mike or Hank. So that it was a deep night, man, and and you were there. So how about that? <laughs> that that's history, right? That's history, and, it's and documented. then right, and now we move the script up to we're in Canada, right? 
And, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, we're doing this benefit. It's, it's, we, 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 it was popping, this, that, and the third. We did our thing. And I was looking forward to, you know, just being able to speak to you. And fortunately, I ended up kind of in the wings when you were getting ready to go on. Yeah. And I just wanted you to know that, you know, I was really, really, really impressed with, with your work and that I, I, I enjoyed what you did. And, 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 and I just wanted you to make contact and I'm going to go a step further. And you guys don't know this, but I saw you in the airport the next day. I was behind you going through customs. And the thing that I noticed about you was how mellow and how low key you moved. And I, that's and I, and cool I never, right there. You, know, that, you, 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 you didn't have a lot going on. You didn't have a lot going on around you. And I was like, wow, that this cat, there's something, there's something. So there's something to this guy. I remember saying that to myself because I move a lot the same way. You follow me? I don't, I don't like a big deal. I don't, you know, it's not about that for me. You know what I mean? And I never, I never thought that I'd have an opportunity to talk to you, but is that part of your makeup that you, totally. you know, you preferred it? I, totally. I, you know, I am a hip hop artist first. I started out writing rhymes, writing lyrics. And for me, it was always about writing, songwriting. I had to get on stage to be the salesman for my songs, for my raps, right? And, and when you're in hip hop, you that's how it works. You don't do nobody else's lyrics. Right. But as I became a song, a singer, I stepped even more into that role of songwriter. And I was like, even though I'm on stage selling these songs, I'm still primarily a lyricist and right. that's what I'm about. So I'm not trying to be out there on everybody's TMZ and, and uh, you know, uh, page six. I'm just trying to bring the bacon home to my family. Do you think that's it? Brother, yeah. Speak. So, so, okay. Well, okay. So here we are. Do you have, and we ask everybody that comes on the show, do you have, a rapper's delight story. Where were you, or what was your experience? If you're a hip hop person, you've got to have a, a rapper's delight story. With the first time you heard it, or what was your introduction to us? So, when I was, I want to say four years old, I was on El Toro Marine Corps Base. This is in Orange County, California, an hour south of Los Angeles. My dad was in the Marine Corps. He retired after thirty Hoorah. years as a major, but Hoorah. during that time, I was the youngest one on the block. And they called me Little Rock, right? So because I was learning all the moves and steps that the, all the bigger kids were doing. And the music that we would listen to, right? UTFO, Stetsasonic, whatever was happening in the 80s. But we also had music prior. And so my first experience would have been backspinning, you know, uh, up rocking to Rapper's Delight on cardboard. Outside the front of my house. How old were you? Four years old. Four years oh, old. Because wow. I only lived on that base that you know wow. from the time I was born till I was till I was five. And by mm. the time I was five, we moved to another base. So I know, you know, at that point I was young and I was I was I was smitten. I was in love with hip hop and That's a beautiful you know, thing. beginning to learn these words that would be ingrained into my into my psyche and understanding and everything for the rest of my life. Wow. Yeah, that's man. crazy. And that's crazy, I, man. I want to also, man, you have so many things that I wanted to let you know that I, I've been watching uh, and paying attention to. I want to also uh, congratulate you on the, uh, the, um, 
the project with um my man Forrest Whitaker, the Forrest Whitaker project, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, um, Godfather of Harlem. Yes, man. I want to. You did. You were phenomenal. Awesome. Phenomenal in that, man. Awesome. Yeah. Talk talk Thank about you. that, man. What was that experience like working with him? I love so, him, man. As a, I love him, man. A, He's amazing. It was a pleasure, first of all, just to be just to be considered to to be on the show um, and to work with such a great actor. Um, you know, he's very gracious and very, he's also, like you were saying, very laid back, yep. very, um, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. mellow, you know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate that about him and, mm -hmm. uh, being on the show though, for me acting, it's, it's a whole new muscle. Mm -hmm. I thought that I, I thought I could, I thought I had it, you know, the way that, <laughs> that actors have it. Cause I've been on stage so many times, but, um, one thing that I learned is that the camera doesn't need you to yell at it. When we're on stage, we're, we're telling the audience to say ho and like make some noise and we're, we're projecting. The camera doesn't need that. The camera wants you to be reserved so that the audience has to come and come in and, and put their ear up to you. And that, that's what I had to learn. And, and, and watching amazing actors, artists like uh, Forrest Whitaker, has taught me that. No, man. Uh, my, my man, my man, Giancarlo Esposito, man. Come on, man. Oh, He's my right God. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, about that. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge film uh, buff. I, I watch everything. I watch everything from, from Korean films to, you know, uh, uh, Italian, uh, La Dolce Vita. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I watch that. I mean, the, the, we, we call him Cisco Ebert John. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like heavy, and and I'm and I and I've dabbled. I've done some acting, uh, in some 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 lightweight stuff. I've done some mm -hmm. some film stuff. So I I really appreciate the craft, and like you say, I really appreciate the skill. And because I've been on stage for forty something plus years, and I've also been in front of a camera, I know that it's two different mentalities. It's almost like you have to reinvent yourself and disconnect yourself from the two situations because yeah. being on stage, it's it's like a natural progression to go after people. That's what you want to do. You know, it's like you want to I, I want to grab you and I want to keep you with me. But when when you but but when you're acting, you have to let the feeling you have to it has to come out of you. It has to come out of you organically. It really just has to. Like you said, right. it has to just transfer right. and, and and the people have to understand where you're coming from emotionally, almost well, like, like like they say, there's a lot of there's a lot of great actors who can who can tell a story without even saying a word. That's yeah. a beautiful skill. That's Are you pursuing something skill. else with, with acting, Alan? Absolutely. I'm gonna continue to pursue acting. There are specific roles that I really want to to play. Um and there are specific roles that I would never accept, right? So a lot of the scripts and, okay. and uh, auditions that came to me were roles for like the drug dealer or the gangster or the thug or whatever. And I was like, nah, that, that's played. That's tired. That's the, a narrative coming from the oppressor's perspective. Absolutely. We, we need brand new okay. stories and brand new um, presentations Absolutely. that right. really reflect who we are, our dignity and, right. dignity and humanity. Right. So mm -hmm. th those Speak. are the roles that I'm looking right. for. Right. I was able I, to... To right. get that opportunity right. a few times. Right. Right. So, so Aloe, uh, this is a two-part question, basically. So, basically, uh, you say you started out loving hip hop. So, what year was it that you realized that 
you know, that singing was your was your lane that you wanted to be a singer. And yeah. also now that you are a, a, a great singer and, and vocalist, was it anything that you took from hip hop and you incorporated it into, you know, singing? Got it. So in 2001, I recorded I went to Europe on tour, came back and one of the producers and that was on the tour with me, he's also an MC. He made he gave me a beat CD. 16 beats. I wrote 15 rap songs and I had one beat left and um, didn't know what to record to it. So I decided I would sing on it. And I was really in love with uh, the soul greats um, and, and doing my studying of Nina Simone and um, Ooh, okay. you know, uh, okay. Otis Redding and Sam Cooke and Change Is Gonna Come. Oh, I yeah. decided I would sing Change Is Gonna oh. Come on this last beat, this number 16 on the track, on, on, the, on the CD. Mm-hmm. Um, and that cover of Change Is Gonna Come over a hip hop beat got me signed to a, a indie label called Stone's Throw that signed me to be a vocalist. Wow. Even though That's they knew I was an MC, they signed me as a vocalist. Wow. So it was 2001 when I recorded that. Wow. And um, what I bring to this singing that I have from hip hop is really the facility with words. Like if I'm in a songwriting session, I'm quick. I'm really quick. I'm quick with the, with the pen, but I'm also quick with the edit because I know I have a whole Rolodex of rhyming words and I can work backwards to, to, to put together a, a line to construct. That's a what's line. up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 That's yeah. the kind of thing that, you know, I, I really value from my experience with rhyming with hip hop is that I can do that. But when I get on stage, I'm more so a James Brown than I am a James Ingram. You know what Got I'm you. saying? Cause because of hip hop. Okay. Yeah. Because of yeah. So, right. I you know, it's, I have ballads, I have slow songs, but I don't do them on stage cause I'm trying to rock a crowd. <laughs> I got you. That's what's up. <laughs> that's what's up. Because at the end brother. of the day, that's the magic, baby. Yeah. That's the magic, man. The, the, one of the greatest things I call these gifts that we have to do what we do is it's a gift, you know, to be able to do that. And one of the greatest gifts that we have, man, is the ability to be able to bring that kind of joy to a group of people, be it 10 people, be it 110 people, be it 110,000 people. To just see the faces, man, and the expressions and, 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 and experience what you've created with someone else, it, 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 do you feel like that's a, a, an amazing experience? That, 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 that uh, you know, that, that, that force of nature that goes back and forth. Talk, talk about that. Yeah, I feel like it's a, it's a great experience. I feel like it's a huge responsibility. I don't take it lightly at all. I recognize that what we do is bring light to the world where there's darkness. We mm-hmm. are the last playground for anybody, music, right? I know you enjoy films and you can walk around with a film in your head, but you can't sing that film to someone else. It's really impossible to share it in the way that it needs to be shared other than you share someone else and you can have that in your head all day. That's a playground you walk around with. So we really are like bringing light to, to, to everyone constantly. Right. So I think about right. what are the messages that we're bringing? Um, what is the food that we're serving? Because if you are what you mm. eat, anything that you consume from the air to the water, to the, to the food, to the music, to the films and TV, all of that is what you are. What do I want to offer the world? 
you know, mm-hmm. and I think about that responsibility. That's mm-hmm. that's great, man. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So 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 what so what made you uh decide to use your voice and your music for for social change? Because I I saw your interview on Bill Maher. Bill Maher is one of my favorite shows, right? And the yep. most funny thing that which is very true what he said in terms of like uh music is 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 so long lasting, man. It's, it's nothing else probably on this planet that lasts longer than music. I mean, we we love songs that that are over 20 years old that we still listen to. You know what I mean? And then, and, then, and then when he said that the, you, the other thing that he, can, that he can think about is his dick. Oh, God. <laughs> and then you said, and then you see, you came back with the correct answer. You said, yo, man, I won't know nothing about your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Maher. Oh, man. Funny. <laughs> Hello, do you yeah. arrange all your stuff and do your production? For the most part, I'm always part of it, right? If I have a really good producer, DJ Khalil, he's one of the best producers in the business, one of the best human beings in the business. And, all right. Uh, and one of the best hip-hop producers in the business. Um, <clears throat> he, is, he is so kind to let me be over his shoulder and kind of direct where he goes and what he does, even though he can do it all himself. Um, right. I've been with, you know, other producers who just want to take it all, the, take it in, in control of all themselves. But I have a vision. I hear entire, I hear entire arrangements and orchestrations in my head, and um, and so I prefer to be part of the whole process, if not just to do it myself. Isn't uh, it a, a, a beautiful? Isn't it a beautiful experience when you can translate? what's in your head, what you're hearing, strings, part, to a musician that can then bring yeah. it to life. It, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, ain't it? It really is. And you know, I've had, I have a, a, a telepathic relationship with a few different artists and, and musicians that I can do that with. All okay. I have to do is give them a small idea of what a melody, and they understand exactly which chord to play on top of it. Because there's a there's a, multiple ways. There's dozens of ways to play a chord on top of yes, one it melody, is. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they find the right one at the right time. That's magic. We are yeah, magic. without a doubt. Something out without of without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, how has COVID? How has COVID uh, affected you know what you've been doing, man? Because I know you were definitely you like us. You were mm-hmm. out there. You know, definitely ruling. Uh, how did it? How has it affected you? So I, you know, luckily. Um, it has not been financially a burden in the sense that I, I lost out on a lot of, um, you know, gigs and stuff. Of course I lost out on gigs, but one of the main things that happened to build my career was a television synchronization on how to make it in America with my song, mm-hmm. I Need a Dollar. Mm-hmm. And yeah. since then, that vertical, understanding that part of the business has been always present of mine. So I'm always syncing my music mm-hmm. to TV shows, television commercials, and mm-hmm. movies. And so that stream of income basically compensates for whatever the lack is on the live show side for, for during this COVID time. And mm-hmm. um, that's great. I'm, I'm able to spend a lot more time with my family, our relationship here at home with the kids and my wife. Everything's really good. So, you know, I, I'm very um, grateful for that. 
Yeah. What, what, what's the yeah. count, my brother? Boys, girls, what we got? One girl, seven years old. One boy, five years old. And God bless are, you. We're done for now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about the uh, the social change that you want to do in your music that you are well, doing the, in your music. You know, with the music, my goal is to remind people. I want to give people the songs that can make them um, feel like they are loved and that they can love. So, you know how <clears throat> with, you know, great R&B songs of the past, you would hear a lyric and it's something sentimental and you're like, oh, I feel like that. This is how I want to, <laughs> this is a song I want to go and serenade a lady to. I'm trying to write the songs that a father can serenade his son to. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Does it exist? Wow, yeah. Okay. Do you know what wow. I'm saying? Like, yeah, and, yeah, and absolutely. So there are stories and there are narratives that just don't really get the play that they deserve in music because there's a, a marketplace that churns um, fear, uh, anxiety, and, and romance, of course, romance. Why not? Yep. Yep. But, but I'm trying to just offer that other story that other people don't have. So, mm. you know, I wrote a song called Daddy Told Me So. Son, don't you grow up too fast. Make those days your living last. Because one day they'll be gone and past. You'll wish them back again. You only get to have this one. Life is precious. And when it's done, it's Measured up in love and fun, so enjoy it while you can. And oh, I've seen it all. And I'll be here to catch you before you fall. And oh, I've done it all before. You'll get your chance the same, you can be sure. Ask me how I know, because my daddy told me so. Nice. Wow. That's nice, man. That's I love up. that. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, that's dope. Wow. That's dope. wow. So today, I was thinking while I was driving about it, almost the same thing. When you're young, only thing that you want to do is get big enough to be, you know, to do things by yourself. And once you get older, you want to be old enough to not have to work no more and just chill out. And then once you get to that point, you want to be back to the same thing. Right. So it's that same circle. And it's it's so strange. And you just brought this up. And that was a fold, bro. That, that song is that it, beautiful. bro. That's, that's beautiful. That's dope, that was man. it. It's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. I have I have three children. Uh, my, my oldest is 37. And my uh, youngest is 20, 25 or 26. Two sons and a daughter. And my life has been, up, uh, you know, I just turned 59 two weeks ago. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. I've had these, tr these very interesting, uh, relationships with my sons, you know, and my daughter and you just, and my son and I, my oldest son and I, he has grand my grandchildren and we're starting to develop, uh, another dimension to our relationship. And when you just said, it just kind of hit me. It was a heart punch because, I've never been able to connect with him on a level that was spiritual. You follow me beyond, you know, uh, uh, the fact that, okay, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a personality or whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. And, you know, fin financial, whatever the case may be, but 
that's so important. Like you just said that when can you, when is there going to be, or what do we do to be able to connect with our sons, man, to be able to give them something that will stay in their head all the time. That, that's, that's very deep, man. Now, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people and I've been to a lot of places and this is a very, uh, you've inspired me, you know, and, and to, to inspire question. an old dude like me, um, is, is, is pretty, pretty deep. Cause, uh, uh, I, I, I've been, I, I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly and, uh, I appreciate <laughs> you, man. Uh, no I, I'm going to flip the script though. Tell us, tell us the whole, the, the whole deal with the hats. Cause I'm, 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 I'm a haberdasher person myself. So what's the deal with the hats? Cause I saw you early so, on, you didn't have hats. And then now you, every right. time I see you got a hat. So what's up? With so the in hip hop times, um, there was no hats. Um, and then when I got into singing, because my first hit was was throwback soul i was rocking the afro and uh-huh. when i when i was rocking the afro there were no hats until i decided okay i'm gonna i'm gonna slowly you know trim trim the afro down and i started to do a lot of when i was doing sorry when i was doing throwback soul i was also wearing vintage clothing um no yeah. you know mm-hmm. 70s yeah. late 60s early 70s shark skin suit shark skin yeah <laughs> i know brother i know uh-huh. Yep. So then I decided, okay, um, I started to get a lot of uh, business from, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Luxury uh, brands. So a lot of collaborations and and sponsorships. And I thought, okay, I need to, I still need to look classy, but not 70s classy. Let me just look timeless classy. And that to me was Sammy Davis, Nat King Cole, Sinatra. Right. <clears throat> so I the 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 tailored Italian suit with the trilby or the um, or fedora or, you know, something with a, a not not too long of a brim and not too short of a brim was my thing. Um, and I ended up just working out. Uh, finding the right kind of brand that I liked a lot, Gor- Gorin mm-hmm. Brothers. And I keep looking up because you know I, my whole wall. Yeah. Got, no, I noticed that got, too. I saw that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. saw that. No. And um, and so that was that was part of it. Um, just wanted to to have that classy and classic look, and the hat was my new thing since I wasn't going to rock an afro. That was that, that, and it's amazing, and 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 that's <clears> interesting. <throat> Again, going to you being an individual, having your own rhythm. I call it, I call it moving to your own rhythm. Uh, I, I moved to my own rhythm. I always have, I always will, you know what I mean? And, and my, my guys will tell you, you know, again, coming back to the group, everybody coming back to music, everybody was doing that, you know, the big clothes and this and that. I came back with, you know, suits and ties and, there you, you know, and, 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 and the handkerchief and the whole nine yards. And, 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 and people were kind of like trying to figure out, you know, what was my whole thing. But, I, I again being a movie buff, you know, I was always blown away by how they dressed in the 40s and the 50s and the whole the, the double breast is my love. I love double breast, the double breast and you know the little uh the flower in the in the lapel with the handkerchief, you know, all of that. That just really I just love that whole thing. So that was another thing that uh I, I admired about watching you, you know, uh, uh coming into the fold, you had no problem with doing your own thing. You know what I mean? You're not trying to dress like, and you know, 
the, the hottest guy that was out before you or whatever. You did your thing. You found your you found your groove. Tell me about the first song. Tell me about uh, the dollar. How did that come about? I remember hearing that when I was in Europe and I, we were over in Europe. And uh, and for a long time, man, I thought you were European. I really yeah. did. I thought I thought that you were, you know, like from either somewhere in like Germany or France, or London something. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Where were you? Where uh, were you know, you we going? spent a lot of time. We spent a lot of time over there. Yeah. So that's where I heard you first. I heard yeah. you in Europe mm-hmm. first. So I'm I'm American, very American. My parents okay. are from Panama, and I grew up in Southern California. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. I need a dollar was inspired by listening to field recordings. There is an old um, uh, kind of a, a, a record label owner named Art, uh, what was his name? Lomax, Lomax. I can't remember his first name, but he would, he would record field recordings of chain gang workers um, and, and uh, uh, field uh, sharecroppers and that kind of thing. And he was recording right. their songs. And those songs were, their own blues that they would make up extemporaneously, basically freestyling right. the blues, right? Right. So I Need a Dollar was right. inspired by listening to those. Um, mm. I, I, I had been laid off from my corporate gig. I had a corporate gig right after I graduated from university for a couple years. And when I got laid off, um, I was living in a house with a, a bunch of musicians. They had a huge record collection. And one of them let me listen to these, uh, these field recordings. So I started freestyling my own field, re- field song of I Need a Dollar. That was in 2004 or five. In 2009, I went to uh, Brooklyn to go write and record with uh, a soul production team called Truth and Soul. And this freestyle is in the back of my head. So they're jamming on some, some, some music. And I thought, you know what? That beat that you're making right now Sounds like this this rhyme that I have over here, and I'm gonna put them together again. My hip hop background coming right. into play, and I was able to um, you know make make that connection there. So that when that song was recorded, it ended up being available for um, a music supervisor who was looking to to sync it as the theme to how to make it in America. Yeah, and at that yeah, time, yeah. Napster and LimeWire and all kinds of things were popular. So everybody overseas was illegally downloading <coughs> our American TV shows. There was one um, music uh, radio programmer in France named Emilion Alma. And the reason why I know his name is because I became his friend. and We mm. worked together. He heard the song, loved it so much that he played it on French radio without any of the you know you know how the business goes with radio without any of that stuff right right he just played right. it because he loved it it became it became a sensation because of him playing it all the major big stations started to play it he was just a wow. really cool hip boutique radio station wow then i started getting magazine covers tv shows radio big radio interviews in france and then germany was like oh what's going on over here Right. Germany started picking me up. Then England was like, wait a minute, we're not going to be late to this. <laughs> right. So right. Then I went to Europe and I spent three, pretty much three years just, you know, going all around doing all kinds of promo. That's why you would 
think, oh, Aloe Black must be from Europe because I spent right. so much time. It, exactly, well, yeah. And, 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 it's, and it's very crazy because, see, the, the time that you're talking about is the time that we came back into the yep. fold. So, like I said, I came back in 2005. By 2007, we were torn. So, between 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12 to 13, that's where we were. We were in Europe. You know, yeah. so all of that time we were over there, and that's why now I understand why I heard you, we, and, I, we, and I'm not, and I, yeah, I know we, I must have seen you, uh, uh, in, in you know, on television or as, as, as the situation may be, right? So, so the song actually was, was bigger over there than, than, than it was here, actually, because basically, yes. yeah, way bigger, and so, yeah. It had a chance. It had a chance here, but the TV show didn't last long enough. It was only mm -hmm. one and a half seasons. Mm -hmm. And then I was on this indie label, Stone's Throw. Interscope wanted to sign me. So they did sign me. And they were like, <laughs> okay, can we just license that album over here so we can really blow it up in America? And, you know, the indie label was just negotiating in a way that Interscope was like, Eventually, um, you know, this is still when um, when Jimmy Iovine was there. He was like, nah, we're just going right. to make a whole new album. Forget it. it that, we're not, that, we're not that dealing, is so they don't, weird, man. That they is don't so even weird. see what they're yeah. missing. Let's right. just do something brand new. That's right. when I did The Man and Wake Me Up. <laughs> Yo, that's crazy because you know what? We we went through that same thing with, with Bob Sinclair with the La La song. Mm -hmm. La La song was 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 number one, went number one over in Europe. Huge. Then huge. huge over there. Then when it got here, Atlantic wanted to do something with it. And then by the time they got through negotiating and everything, they said, Well, let's put them in the studio and do a new song. And and we did something new. And it didn't work out. Yeah, but we understand because that was our that was our thing when, when when you know when Bob Sinclair came to us it made me think about that too Henry when uh, Bob Sinclair came to us about doing the project with him you know that was the first record that Mike and I had done in again over twenty years and it and it was it it exploded in France exploded in Italy it was big you know Huge. all over uh, the Netherlands and the whole nine yards so we're thinking. You know, especially again, Mike and I coming back and we want to make our mark. We want to let the world know that we can do more than, you know, Rapper's Delight. And OK, we're going to it's going to come to America. And once it gets to America, it's going to be wow. And no, that's not the deal. But, you know, it's all good because, you know, we know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know. So with that being said, do you have any questions for us? Absolutely. Um, I read. Something about pizza, a pizza shop. <laughs> hey. And, and um when you guys realized either that you're that you were gonna become rappers or something like that. Can you someone why don't you tell that story? Okay, so there was a pizza shop. so I was born in New York and right over the bridge, you if you know about the New York metropolitan area, I'm sure you've been to New York before. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes over the George Washington Bridge, just northern New Jersey. So it's an area called Bergen County, Englewood, Hackensack, and Teaneck. So when my parents left Brooklyn, we came to this town, Teaneck. And between Teaneck, Englewood, and Hackensack, that's kind of where I was. And then we would go back and forth because I had a grandmother in Brooklyn. I had a grandmother in uh, 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 Mount Vernon. So the pizza place was the hub in our town. It was the, it was the, it was the place. And this guy from the Bronx at this point 
comes over and he was a black dude making pizzas in this pizza parlor. And we knew that he could rap. We heard about this because it was a big deal. Y'all understand we're talking about 1979, 78, 77, when New York and New Jersey was like two different worlds. So it was all about word of mouth. So it was this rap about this guy at this pizza place. So long story short, <clears throat> Sylvia, God rest her soul, heard somebody in New York rapping. She lived in New Jersey in our town. And uh, so she was looking for a guy. She had the ideal to say, well, you know, maybe I should put this rap thing on a record because nobody had done it at that time. So she heard about this guy. She, she They had already got this dude signed, uh, uh, figured out that he was going to do it. And the guy turned him down. They were going to do, they had the music, the whole nine yards. They went to go get the guy. He was at the McDonald's. The McDonald's was directly across from the pizza parlor. So when the guy turned them down, they started, they went into panic mode. But the kid, the two kids in the car said, well, the guy in the pizza parlor is from the Bronx. He can rap. So they made a U-turn and they went into the pizza parlor to try to talk to Hank to get him to come out in the car and audition for them. In the process of that happening, I was walking down the street with a friend of mine who knew Sylvia's son. That conversation ensued between Sylvia's son and my friend, and my and they and we found out that they were looking for people to rap. My friend says, "Oh, you want to hear somebody rap? You need to listen to this guy." So I'm standing on the sidewalk. I'm blown away because it's Sylvia, and I know I know about her, but I had never met her. I didn't think I had met her, and so they I get in the back of the car. So all of this happened in front of the pizza parlor on Palisade Avenue in our town. And then later on, when I when we went to the house and we were auditioning, we did not know that, you know, Hank was uh, uh, borrowing his lyrics. We had no clue because in Jersey, what we got was, like you said, if you're a rapper, you write your own rhymes. That's what we thought. That's what we were doing. So we didn't know that Hank was borrowing his rhymes. At any rate, the conversation gets down to where she doesn't want to choose any between the three of us. It was supposed to be one person. She chose all three of us and she starts talking about the studio. Well, I found out that as a child, my father was a recording engineer and I used to run through the halls of her studio while he was in the studio doing sessions. And that's the whole thing. So between Palisade Avenue and, and West Street was like literally over here. So the pizza parlor was over here, the studio was over there and that's where everything happened. That was, So that's the whole thing about the pizza. The pizza place is the birthplace of the Sugar Hill Gang. That's amazing. That's an amazing story. And what, how time really was just a factor. You were supposed yeah. to be working with Sylvia at some point. It was just a matter of time. Right? I tell people this all the time. Yeah. Yep. I, I tell people this all the time. There's nothing that I could have thought about that had me prepared for it. Everything happened like it was meant to happen. Period. Point blank. It, I was with it, Mark. It goes it goes to show you how, how God worked in mysterious ways, man. I, I was with Mark. Had I not been with Mark, I would have walked by them. You know, uh, I, I, I was living in Hackensack. I moved to Englewood. Had, I, had that not happened, I, I wouldn't have started rapping. It just, you know, so there. So that, that's that whole situation. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, yes. Uh, the, the term hip hop. Yes. How much of the term hip hop has to do with the song versus 
the song having borrowed the term hip hop. Well, okay. So, wow, okay. of course, Oz is the first successfully, successfully recorded hip hop record on the planet. So you do understand that, right? So there before, before Sugar Hill Gang, it was just a street thing. There was no, there was a couple of things, some tapes floating around, but there was no commercially successful rap group until us. Right. Okay. Everything came after Rabbit's Delight, Apache, Eighth Wonder, all of those records. That's when right. Mel and Flash and them came to Jersey. They right. recorded Freedom, et cetera, et cetera. Curtis, Curtis came after, not too long after we put out Rabbit's Delight. Curtis put out uh, Christmas rapping like maybe three or four months after that. So, what started happening is after people started realizing that this was a form of music, because initially people just thought it was a song or it was a few songs or it was a couple of groups. So they were still considering it to be R&B, you know, uh, uh, that kind of situation. They started realizing it had a category. It started becoming more and more of a presence. One by one and little by little, it's almost like fashion. You know, one person did it, another person did it. And I think because because of Mike saying hip hop, the hip to the hip the hip hip hop, you don't stop. It became the the quickest way to abbreviate the music. You know, instead of calling it rap records or rap songs, is what we because that's what we called it. People just started saying hip hop, and it connected. Right. right. You know, so the 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 terminology hip hop, giving it that name, came from us. Right. Because wow. Mike said hip hop on the record. Right. And, and plus two, Allo, it, it, it made it a lot easier for corporate, corporate America or the corporate world to accept. You know, rap was sort of like, you know, had that negative kind of vibe to it or whatever the case may be. But hip hop, you know, it don't sound like, you know, it, it sounds more like something that they can accept. You know what okay. I mean? So, yeah, that's that, that, that's. Thank you for telling me that story. I was not sure, and that really sums it up. That well, yeah, the up. thing is, yeah, absolutely. So, and the thing that that people and we another reason why uh, I've agreed to even do this show, you know, is because because we were so beginning, because we are the beginning. There's a lot that's not really known about that time. Mm-hmm. You know, people equate the music. A lot of times, people equate everything to running them or they record they equate it to okay well it was run and then this or it was it, it was bits and pieces and what people don't understand and one of my missions is to let people get to understand that we are the beginning of this music period you follow me we are the first ones to take it overseas we're the first ones to be on television there's no first without mike michael wright Henry Jackson and Guy O'Brien. There is no first. I don't care what happens. I don't care That's what true. goes down. I don't care how much money is made behind this. When it gets down to it, 2,000 years from now, I love to watch a lot of history and all of this. When they talk about, when they look for the ruins of the, the beginning of this music, it's going to be Michael Wright, Guy O'Brien, and Henry Jackson. That's it, point blank. And everything else comes after that. So that's another reason why at this point in my life, because I'm comfortable with who I am, and I'm comfortable with being a, a part of this thing, which I wasn't, which was part of the reason why I was gone for all those years. I feel like it's my mission now to make sure that people understand that we're the beginning of this thing. Yeah. So that, that that's kind of, you know, what that's like my mission, too. And also, like you said, 
to to bring to bring because the legion of Sugar Hill fans, which was another uh, uh, epiphany to me, is so incredible. I mean, there's not been a place on the planet that we have been to that there have not been people that know you know B sides to stuff that we did. You know, right. I mean, you know, cats coming up to me and asking me about you know, a hot summer day. I mean, a song that I wrote when I was 18 years old in my apartment in Teaneck, New Jersey, and some guy in, you know, Warsaw, Poland is telling me, oh, freak, freak, the funk, the funk, funk. I love this song. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So, and, and, yeah, and not to be, and not to be uh, uh, um, confused with, uh, the guys who started in, in 73 and 74, that was uh, a social thing in the park. That doesn't equate to worldwide. You understand it's what I'm saying, Alan? It's a different part of the of the culture, right? There exactly. is b-boying, there's graffiti, there's mm -hmm. MCing, there's DJing. They all had their different beginnings in different places. What you're exactly. talking specifically about is who put it on the map? When it comes there to you go. Rap, exactly. Music. That's and what we talk about. Even naming, naming, naming the culture to, so that we can fuse it together. Otherwise, they would be all disparate, you know, uh, things that, but that's it. Yeah, that's all. That, that's all. Thank listen, you for your contribution. Listen, Al, that's all that Mike and I, Absolutely. we always say. We never try to take people, because people do this. They'll say, but you guys are the, you the guys are the birth of hip hop. No, we're not the birth of hip hop. No. You know, uh, uh, Herc and Flash and, you know, uh, Cold Crush and yep. Mel, Crush, and Mel all of them, everybody in the New York area that was over there doing it. I heard I heard about it. I heard about it. You know what I mean? I heard about it from a guy that went to high school. I went to high school with he was DJing. And I was DJing and I heard him rapping at a party in Hackensack, New Jersey. I, I just happened to ask him. Hey man, what are you doing? Because I heard him talking over the music at a party he was doing, and he said, "Oh, that's rapping, man. That's what they're doing in New York." So I've I've never said, and I never will say, "Oh yeah, you know, when I'm the beginning of hip hop." No, but I will say, you know, like we're talking about as far as commercial success, uh, 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 Drake fame, uh, uh, teen teenage girls, hip hop, you know, all the magazines. We're the first. We're the yeah. first, yep. and from us, yeah. there it is. Now, yeah. granted. Um, a juggernaut, you know. I mean, it's it, it's 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 actually absolutely mind blowing to see, you know, because in the beginning it was Sugar Hill Gang, Curtis Blow, and the Furious Five. That was the only three groups that was on the radio. I mean, and now, you know, like I said, you know, uh, Jay Z's you can't doing turn deals. Jay Z's doing deals with the NFL. The guy's worth a billion dollars on something that I started doing, you know, just to get a date. You know what I mean? So it, 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 it's a phenomenal thing, man. Hey, listen, Allo, I, I want to say that this has been a true joy. I, like I said to you before, Absolutely, and I'm going to continue bro. to say, Absolutely. you're a class act. Yeah, I, I respect what you do. I, res I respected what you do. That's why, again, like I said, I wanted to make it my business when I saw you in Canada to let you know that how you no move, uh, 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 the, way, the way you've done what you've done business-wise, the whole nine yards, you're an inspiration, man. And I Absolutely. really want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Absolutely. And I wish you continued success. No doubt. Yes, brother. And we got a, and, we got a song for you, too. Oh, boy. Awesome. I'll oh, yeah. Thank you guys so much. No doubt. Thank you. And so so here. So now before we go, what we got to do now is we got to let you know that you are now oh, yeah. officially 
a part of the Sugar Hill Gang family. So from now on, when I see you and I say, what's up, Cuzzo? That means you are now, you are officially a part of the family, okay? Uh, of course. Yeah, Happy yeah. to be a part of the family. Thank you. Thank you. So listen, thank no you so much Hi, for bro. coming on. Hi, Cuzzo. This is the Sugar Hill Gang podcast. I'm your host, the Master G. Say what's up. Say goodnight, T. Say good night, T. Say good night, <laughs> Hen. Good night, Will. Good night, Say good night, Cuzzo. No doubt. Good night. Good night, everybody. Peace. Peace, Peace hello. Thank Peace. you. We love Peace you for loving us. Peace, Peace, Sugar Hill Gang. We the peace with the Sugar Hill Gang. We love you for loving us. Peace, y'all. Thank you. And we are Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Gang podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating. Android users subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Sugar Hill Gang podcast is produced by Raj Katecha and Vikash Mojaria on behalf of Creative Content Agency and Lothar Kamala on behalf of Daily Operation Agency. The show's artwork was created by Frank Art and Horizon Films and the theme music was created by Heavy Bliss. You can contact the show on Instagram at the Real Sugar Hill Gang or email Sugar Hill Gang Podcast at dailyoperation-agency.com. We'd love to hear from you. Peace and love, and we'll catch you on the next episode.